Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So true. No, anything like that happens, I'm like, oh, you're a homophobe, go away. And it's normally my mum going, you want another sausage roll? No, I am not. And keep the double entendre. Talking of... Hello. Bonjour. Bonjour. Ah, ça va? Très bien, et vous? Ah, pas mal, pas that, mal. That's your lot, isn't it? After, after no, she can't hear me now, you're just cutting me off. I said, Sorry. pas mal, going, not bad, not bad. I was alluding to the fact I'm depressed. We'll move on. Oh, he's not depressed. No. <laughs> We've been depressed. We've all been in uh, the darkness. We have. The, the curtain is slowly rising. Well, it is, is for you because you're on tour, aren't you? Yes. It's still, I mean, it's still baby steps in a way, but it's it, absolutely, I mean, it's it's massively different from even before Christmas. Uh-huh. And and I think actually that last announcement, that last sort of huge lift of things in England a couple of weeks ago, um, there was a kind of sea change, I think, then, because everything's been either London or Birmingham or Cambridge. So um, I don't have anything in Scotland till... Uh, Musselburgh at the end of this month, the Brunton. Ah, that's the same with Steps. They're not back until June. So you're in good company coming wow. down to Scotland late. Are you Sorry, comparing Christine to Steps? <laughs> no, not How totally. very I'm just dare you. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to end this call right now, Christine, I would not blame you. Christine not knows me of old and mm. knows I mean no harm. Christine and I, to let you understand, we first met was crossing over between shows at the Newtown Theatre. We did. And I was the 5.30 Cabaret show, and the reason I remember that is because it was billed as the 5.30 Cabaret show, and then Christine was 6.30. And, you know, we, our eyes would meet, and it'd just be a bit like, hmm, hi, <laughs> another day. Um, Make a leg. <laughs> oh, yeah, really go for it, hen. Um, but no, the, the techs absolutely loved your show, and some of them couldn't even speak French, unlike um, oh, Girls Aloud. Well, that's so nice to hear. Oh, no, 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 genuinely, they loved it. They absolutely loved it. And then we were at an event because I was writing for Emma Miller's magazine, Hood Magazine, and you were the entertainment. That was that was maybe the November before all this started. Right. And really, Gosh. you are in the same way Michelle is, although Michelle's, Michelle's a big gusty belter, but, you know, it's, it's fairly natural. You're just so natural. You just fit into that Parisian vibe. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm... I'm 
where I am blessed is that my because I'm not trained, you know. I mean, I, I, I was an English and French teacher. I, I, I didn't do music, but I always sang. But I do, my, my natural voice lends itself to that repertoire. I always had this strong vibrato, and I think that kind of helps. And then, obviously, singing it for a thousand years, mm-hmm. as I have been, you know, you, you develop... You develop a niche within that genre, but um, uh, it's um, it's lovely actually because this the the kind of work that's come back to me. I've gone back to Piaf, mm. you know. I've gone to a lot of theatres where I've never played. Um, while we're still trying to reschedule what was cancelled, and um, with uh, Paris or or tonight you belong to me, the twenty show. But um, yeah, it's a it's a. Okay, it's a great repertoire, you know, it's just these songs are... And obviously the nature of the show, the PF show, the fact that, you know, I'm so... This is not a tribute, this is not an impersonation. Mm-hmm. I don't look or sound really like PF. certainly don't look like PF. But um, this is my life story interwoven with, with PF story and how the chance discovery of a PF record led to this crazy life journey. <laughs> it's incredible because you... Obviously, you were waxing lyrical about Christine, and we've just been speaking mm. as well. We were talking to Michelle McManus, who she's got a girl crush on you, apparently. I um, love Michelle. I, lo- I love Michelle, the artist, and I love Michelle, the person. She's such a a, a tremendous human being. Yeah, she's fabulous. Yeah. She's great. Yes, but I yeah. feel very awful and ignorant that until I was made aware of you, I wasn't aware of you. So I'm well, that's always going to happen once in your life, <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. You can't do everything. Um, and I don't, and they said I'm not allowed to do this, but I wanted to put you on the spot. And do you do just can you just sing off the top of your head if somebody asks you to? Of course, I can. Are you asking me to? I am asking you to. I, I'm appalled, but go for it. Yes, they told me, don't you dare. What do you want me to sing? I don't know anything. No, Ria. No, je ne regrette rien, ni le bien qu'on m'a fait, ni le mal, tout ça m'est bien égal. Voilà, c'est tout. Wow. <laughs> I'm in my living room, look. I'm looking out. Wow. I'm, I'm looking out to see. Um, my, my little dog is seen. Mum, it's early. It's early for Pia. <laughs> That's incredible. I honestly, I have such envy for that <laughs> level of talent. Just to, to just sing like yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, I'd like to be able to do that. The funny thing is, Christine, I, I think I've mentioned before. My my old man fell foul of a stroke and has vascular dementia and a lot of oh, trouble. Keep it light. Do you mind? I'm trying to talk about my life. For God's sake, <laughs> Jesus. Um, but the one thing I was about to say before I was cut off was he still remembers you and remembers your work and still asks after you. He doesn't know it's me necessarily all the time, but it's like, did someone know Ken that Christine Bovel? Uh, she was good, she was good. Which one are you? And I was going, I'm Sheena. But no, he remembers. <laughs> he remembers. So it's That's amazing. That's so pointed. It's amazing. You know, the thing, sorry, sorry, Bruce. No, on you go. But it's amazing because it's um, this has touched my life as well. Just, you know, uh, dementia and, and Alzheimer's is, 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 is the most, uh, you know, tragic yeah. end for someone's life. But um, the incredible, in that journey, once people are locked into the illness, what they remember in terms of music in particular is a story. And lyrics, you know, like you say, they might have trouble identifying a face of their own flesh and blood. And yet I had a friend, actually a colleague, whose father 
like yourself, he, he ended up not really recognising his son when he came to visit, but he could sing. He didn't speak French, but he'd been in the war. He could sing La Marseillaise, the French national anthem, wow. every word from beginning to end. Wow. Isn't it? The, the dark, the the, the 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 kind of yeah, the chambers of the mind and where it where it's all at. It's uh, yeah, yeah music, it's very poignant. Music unlocks a lot of things like that. I've seen a couple yes. of examples of exactly that. They can't remember who they are, but they can remember the lyrics to a song from years ago. And yeah, and also the way that music evokes such great memories sometimes as well. That's kind of it's like perfume. It. I think photographs mm -hmm. and songs mm -hmm. and perfume. It's just that moment, and you are thrust into a moment either someone you remember or a moment in your life or yeah songs in particular do that absolutely and PF I mean I played in London in Greenwich on Sunday night and Zidel the week before in Piccadilly Circus and it's such I mean people are crying and standing at the end and that's overwhelming and, and, and wonderful to be part of but songs like No Regrets it just touches you know mm -hmm. We, of course we have regrets. PF had tons of regrets. But in the ideal world of song, we can see to hell with it all, you know. It was funny because I heard No Regrets last night. I was watching a programme that I'd done warm-up for to do with singing drag queens. And Leona Winter, who was the contestant from France, who'd called herself Leona after Leona Lewis, who was one of the judges, ah. she sang it. And Vanessa Williams, the actress, had said, oh, I was really worried you were going to sing that because it's on an advert in America and it really does my head in. But your interpretation or indeed presentation of it was so fresh and just really different and, and really enjoyable. Wow. I don't know a song that's been used more often in adverts throughout the years and in film mm -hmm. than Je ne regrette rien. It was in a yeah, it was in a car at BMW or Audi or something a few years ago. Um, in the cinema, I went to see a James Bond movie, and uh, and obviously I'm going to kind of sit up. And then famously, of course, and famous opticians used it somewhat. Mm. There we are. Yeah, we'll talk about that. It was you've done uh, you've done film scores, haven't you? You've done music for films. I've, I've had the joy of a couple of things landing in film scores, the most recent being Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh -huh. <laughs> I had written, a, a friend had sent a piano, a melody up, they'd written on the piano with three days to write a French lyric and record it. And I was on tour in Ireland and I was on this little plane to Waterford and I scribbled out lyrics, not knowing if they were any good. Got back, he'd arranged all this, went to a studio in Busby in Scotland and... Uh, put it down and it was taken up by KPM, Sony, the, you know, the library mm -hmm. archives for film, for the industry to use. Two songs were, including that, Sur Mon Ile de Rêve. And then they used it on, they've used it on a lot of things. BBC has a lot of American TVs have used it, Hannibal and The Preacher. Um, so it's me singing and it's my lyrics, which wow. is nice. That's fantastic. Yeah. Having seen Ant -Man you, in the world. and I know that all performers get some element of nerves, mm -hmm. you never display that as far as I can see. You always look very confident and you know where you are and you know what you're going to do. When you're singing in French in France, it, does that make it any different? Are, are you nervous about that? Do you feel possibly you're being judged a wee bit more? There was a complete 180 in my life and in my career in terms of that very thing. Maybe 12 years ago, the idea of speaking to an audience just speaking um because i had written this kind of script of piaf's life and i went on stage at the edinburgh fringe with the script that i only used as a kind of free floating life raft i didn't read from it but it was there and i looked over in my opening night and it, i brought on stage the driving directions to get to the venue 
and that was it. So I just decided I'm going. I'm just going to talk. And I did, and I've never, and it's been a bit like a comedian. It's been, you know, I get, I get a kind of thrill, I suppose, of it. How it comes out every night will be differently. I know mm-hmm. it's all in there, mm-hmm. but I'll respond to the audience and things. And I don't get nervous anymore. I, I would get nervous if I weren't prepared. If I went on stage and I didn't know the material, mm-hmm. that would be the only thing. In France, I haven't done a huge amount in France. I've had this residency in Berlin for the last four or five years, and that has been a Scot speaking in English, singing in French to Germans, and they love it. But the last three years, I've had this return visit to a chateau in France, Ooh. and um, I'm going back there. Do you like having house guests with you? actually i went in the first year of lockdown i had to quarantine for two weeks i thought what else am i doing so i went out and did a little concert in this and i stayed in the chateau on my own i ended up doing some of the housework i ironed (laughs) because it was this huge big it was this gladly this wonderful couple who are friends who own it an english couple but this huge big ballroom where we did the paris show it was all big tables because they had dinner afterwards and i said i'll i'll iron the linen tablecloths <laughs> two days two days it took me i'm running this honest cheap white cotton linen table covers you know because it's got to be pristine yeah so it's it's all paris show busy. <laughs> The French loved it. The French were unbelievably kind. Just the novelty, because remember, this is this is really old music for French people. Uh-huh. He have died in '63, so a French person doing like '20s, '30s stuff over here, maybe. And he have been such an icon. Mm. I suppose I was a wee bit more nervous the first time I did it because it's like bringing coals to Newcastle. You're thinking they're going to be so all right. Yeah, who does she think she is? Yeah. It was the opposite. They were they were just they were thrilled and unbelievably generous of spirit to me. Really, it was amazing. What made you gravitate towards French as a language, French and English teacher? So where did the Frankenfile, if that even is a word, come out in you, if you see what I mean? Because I watched a documentary about Josephine Baker about three weeks ago and saw the reason that, you know, France took her to heart. Also as well, that was a way for her to escape a fairly hellish existence and it, w- it was funny watching towards the end because although she'd gone back in which to be decorated I'm not sure if she made her peace with it if you see what I mean there seemed to be some unresolved issues on her part because um, then she came back and adopted all these children so we know where Madonna got the idea from uh, <laughs> Madonna does like a bit of a remix but what is it about French that you, you like so much? It's funny because you, you're seeing all this and this is, this new show that I've got, The 20s Show, Josephine Baker is celebrated massively in it. And the first time I played in France a few years ago in the Chateau, I went to her castle because it was in the Pericard yes, where yes. the Chateau is. And this wonderful couple and their daughter, French family, have brought it all back to life. Oh. It is tragic how, well, in the end, she was forced out, the upkeep yeah. of it, but what a place. My journey with it began by Piaf. Uh, I was collecting old jazz records of the 20s and 30s from the beginning of my teens, which helped make me popular at school in the 80s. And um, <laughs> and uh, and a priest friend of the family, a love uh, who knew of my love of old uh, songs, came round with a record he thought I should listen to. That is, it's literally. I see in the show that Graham Greene said there is a moment in every childhood when a door opens and lets the future in. Mm-hmm. This was my moment oh, wow. because That's a beautiful it just. Expression. I heard this record. 
I hated French at school. I slept through school French and I became obsessed with it. I did my higher French. I did a five-year degree. I became a French teacher, French and English. Beside, on my mantelpiece here, there is a collection of books that my grandmother bought my dad in about 1950. They were published in 1946. Academic books, sciences, arts, languages, and the French one. When I got the PF record, I played catch-up with Madame Piaf's French, which you're not really getting in school, and this little book. And my dad gifted me the whole collection, actually, at Christmas, which is so lovely. Oh. So I hold those two things I hold so dear. The Piaf discovery and where it took me all over the world. Mm -hmm. And this little book, this little black and white 1946 French, learn French book. And how I old were you when you discovered Piaf? 14, 14. Wow. And did you at that stage, just prior to that, did you have any idea of what you then thought you wanted to do when you grew up? That I mean, your I was, I was clever enough at school, but I didn't like school. I was kind of bullied and, uh -huh. and um, I, I wanted to act. Or, or or sing. I mean, I was good at language. I was good at English. My father was my dad was my English teacher actually, and um, and uh, you, I, I wanted to perform. <laughs> I wanted to perform. Hold on a few minutes. Someone's just come here and someone's Aww. someone's saying hello. Like, hello. She's just, oh, hello. This is Poppy. Hello, this is Poppy. Poppy. Poppy's heard this so many times. This story. She says, "Ma, ma, ma." Right. So, um, no, I want, and then I became, I, I became an English and French. I actually taught English a lot longer than French. I really love teaching English, but when I started writing my own material in two thousand and four, I slowly came out of teaching and released my first album, my own album, in two thousand and eleven. And are you still largely based in Glasgow? I mean, when you say you've got a residency in Berlin, how long are you away from home? Where do you, how long do you stay? <gasps> There's Argyle Street. There. <laughs> I've moved in the water. Have you? Yes. No, yes. Um, I, I meant musical residency, sorry. As in, as in return visits to the same theatre in Berlin uh, to Bayer Wernhoft and got a, an agent in Berlin, so in Germany. So I've been doing, I played the Kurt Weill Festival. I love it. This was completely unknown territory to me. Chanson is still huge in Berlin and, and their, their reverence for cabaret and how they treat the artists mm. is magnificent. I love it. But the Kurt Weill Festival in Dessau, I played in September. So, yes, I am, I am, uh, uh, Scottish girl through and through. I'm doing the I live, as you can see, on the beach, mm -hmm. and um, I'm half an hour away from Glasgow, so it's dead, dead easy. You know. Why do you think it is the case that someone like Berlin pays credence and respect to their cabaret performers, having done a lot of cabaret stuff by and large by the producer, have been treated well, but you hear stories from travelling cabaret acts who are like, oh yeah, don't work with them when you're down there or don't do this because they really, you know, they don't respect the art form. And I think a lot of people think it's just burlesque and old titillation when it's, it's not. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, it's, I think, I don't know, this would be, my guess of an answer would be the obvious point that 
um, cabaret could be defined was crystallized in Berlin in the 20s by Mar Germany before it all went wrong. The world was bankrupt, the country was bankrupt after the first war. But what grew Weimar Berlin and the likes of Kurt Weil and Bertolt Brecht and Dietrich and all these people, Berlin was the place for cabaret in the 20s. It took over Paris, really. These any fall in Paris. Of course, you had New York. That's what the show is based on, this new show that I've got. But Berlin, you know, it, when we think about the permissive decade of the 60s, it is, it is play school compared to what went down in Berlin in the 20s. And just the the freedoms and the liberation and experimentation with music, with with culture, with everything. There are s- several fantastic documentaries on YouTube about Weimar Cabaret. And I think through the, I don't know, I just think everywhere I've gone in Germany, they are, they are so respectful of the artist. And you come off stage, people will queue for two hours mm-hmm. at the merchandise table just to meet you and ask for a signature, ask what she's bought me, ask um, me to sign their ticket and people will pay a lot of money for a CD because, let me explain, a CD is a... <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so it's uh, I, I just love, I miss it. I haven't been since I went to Dessau, but I haven't been back since lockdown. They've had to open and close and open and close. So, but yeah, Berlin Gallery, and there's they they love they they get my humor. Their I mean their English is so good. Mm-hmm. They're so funny. It's really just it's been an eye opener. I've it. done comedy in Berlin. And I absolutely loved it in a place called Cookie Butter Club. I don't know if it's still there, but oh, it was. Oh, there you go. You're doing comedy in English, mm-hmm. I take it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. And they love it. It's absolutely uh-huh. fantastic. Yeah. And Berlin, I just found the most fascinating city. So and did I, I went on one of those sort of open top bus uh-huh. tours. Yep. And the sort of the four corners of it. It was just fantastic. Yeah. And the food, it. the food. The food was a revelation. Incredible. Oh my god. Yeah. Although I always when I think of Berlin and Paris actually, I always sort of think in black and white. Does that make sense? No. That's interesting. <laughs> you belong you belong in the in, in the world of cabaret of Weimar. Oh. In yes, sepia tones. You've been drawn back. Absolutely. In sepia tones. Yes, I've performed in, in Berlin, but it wasn't comedic. <laughs> I don't, and we don't want to know. Thank you. Oh, very I do, much. Bruce. I do want to oh, know. Gosh. Put the kettle on. Who's <laughs> <laughs> for a coffee? We want to try. It'll be mucky, won't it? So. so, when when are you? What are your dates? Where can people find you? Okay, so coming up, I just played London on, where are we? Oh, I'm on Radio Scotland on, on Saturday. I'm on Off off the Ball. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> I'm on chatting on Sunday, sorry, on Sunday with uh, Stuart and Tam. Uh-huh. I'm having a wee chat with them on Sunday. Tuesday, I'm down in Kent in Deal doing Piaf. Uh-huh. And then Sat the Saturday, no, sorry, Tuesday, I'm in Bracknell just up from London. And then it's, it's this Saturday night, I'm in Deal. It's all in my website. In Scotland, yes, actually, um, in that's <laughs> the best thing. Christymobile.com. In Scotland, it, my next date is the the Brunton in Musselburgh. But later in the year, I'm playing the Queen's Hall, my own gig. Oh, Not PR for Paris or anything, my own. Yeah, my own, yeah, my own songs and everything. And I, I had a, a great concert at Oranmore in Glasgow in November, just celebrating the anniversary of my first album. And uh, we had a great night, and and people came out and were brave enough to come and sit in the dark and laugh and cry. 
have fun. Wow. Can I ask one final thing? Do you yes. think the comparisons drawn between Judy Garland and Edith Piaf at the end of their careers, at the end of their life, are just? In as much as they seem to be relatively similar, that they didn't have a great time with men, they kind of had everything, lost everything, you know, they were paying for the guys in a lot of ways. And to a degree, I don't want to say victims, but I don't think they necessarily were treated with the most chivalry, for want of a better description. <laughs> They both died at the same age, and there are, there are huge parallels between Garland and Piaf's life, I think. Um, neither would see themselves as a victim. They had a very, very different professional life. Mm-hmm. Um, Piaf worked till the very end. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm like everybody else, a massive Judy Garland fan, and, you know, she... Um, uh, what a legacy of work she left, like Piaf. Both of them really bear in the depths of their soul when they sang. They did have a similar emotional quality in their mm-hmm. voice. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely think... I wrote a show years ago called A Star Is Torn. Ah. And <laughs> and looking at... Because because when I wrote my Piaf show, I wrote the same for Billie Holiday. And I did those kind of shows quite a lot. Billie, Billie Holiday, again, 44, you know, around this mid-40s age. Um, they just ran out of life. Yes, um, I think Judy Garland was much, much more manipulated uh-huh. by those around her. Piaf, Piaf... Um, was a consummate professional, but had quite the appetite for self-destruction and refusal to curtail her lifestyle despite... Piaf never, ever took drugs recreationally. Neither did Judy Garland. I mean, it was all kind of painkillers in a prison, you know. But but I think both... Piaf certainly, I think, liked to drink, and I think Judy Garland did as well. Um, But... uh, in terms of, obviously, we know about the studio and all those moguls and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the damage that was done so early. Both of them, rejection in childhood, I think, and how it plays out in adulthood yeah. probably is the common denominator. I'm waffling on, I don't no, know. I you asked an off-the-cuff question. I, I don't think know. that is very succinct, and that's what we're all about here at Be Honest, off-the-cuff questions. So. Absolutely. <laughs> and also that we can find you on christinebovel.com. Yes. yes, and, and the usual Facebook and Twitter, Twitter and Instagram. Instagram. Good. And you have a big new fan. I honestly just... The, oh, the, the darling of, girl, the, thank you so drop much. Drop of the hat, just singing See, like I that. I wasn't late to the party. You were always on my list, oh. but I'm not going to flag that up. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> lovely, lovely to meet you, Christine. Thank, thank you so much. And have great shows. Lovely thank to you. Thank you so much. Thanks, love. I'll see you soon. See you again. Yeah. Bye. Thank bye. you. Bye. 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 bye.